Thank you, Kathy. Great, great job, team. Appreciate you leading us in that, that time of worship. We are going to be talking about faith. Um, I don't know that one can prioritize things that are important to God. In other words, I don't know that one can say this is the most important, this is the most, this is the next, this is the next. I don't know that you can do that. If you could, I think faith would be number one. This is, this is what's important to God. And God wants to be involved in our lives, right? We say that a lot. I say that a lot. To experience the reality of God's involvement in my life, that he's, he's doing this work, he's orchestrating events, he's, he seeks to draw me to himself, to reveal himself to me, to change me and to mold me into the very image of Jesus. That's how God works in my life. And, and I can tell you of times that he's worked in my life where uh, he, he, he wants to uh, grow me in the grace of giving or in servanthood or, or in, in kindness or what my priorities are or what my perspectives are. And, 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 and he, he kind of works in that. I, I want you to know this morning that, that, that you might be experiencing any, any of those kind of things, that God's working in your life to mold you and shape you in that specific area. But I can tell you with great, great confidence that God is working in each and every one of our lives to grow us in our faith. He's relentless about that. He wants us to have faith. The Bible says some stunning things about faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's a powerful, powerful statement. The, the gospel, is, it, it, it tells us that, that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to that mountain, be cast into the sea, and so shall it be. Faith. You know what? We need to quit treating God like a genie in the bottle. We need to quit treating Jesus and our relationship with him like he's some genie in the bottle whom we call on because we want him to do this for us. Because we want this or we need this. And so we call on him and when that has been solved or resolved or changed, uh, uh, we put him back on the shelf. That genie-in-the-bottle kind of mentality. One of the challenges for me this past weekend in, in, in preparation was I, 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 I realized, I think, that there was this distinction in how we apply faith in our lives. Uh, at least a couple of different applications. One application is, is we want to grow our faith so that we can accomplish, so that God can accomplish through us great things for His kingdom. It's the taking risks kind of faith. It's, it's stepping out into the unknown in order to serve. It's that, that kind of faith. And really, that was kind of when I started, that was kind of the direction that I was headed in. 
As a matter of fact, on your notes that you see in the bulletin, the scriptures that you see there have to do with, with the kind of faith that God works in us so that He can, through us, accomplish great things for His kingdom. But that's not really the direction I want us to go this morning. The other application is a faith that we need and we apply and we appropriate when we have needs in our lives. When, when there's a, a situation, a, a circumstance in our lives where we don't know what to do and we have to have a kind of faith to believe that God is in control. I, I think that's how I might define faith for us today. That we would understand that, that faith is surrender and trust. The faith is giving all that I am to Him. All that I have to Him. It's all His. And I trust Him with that. My faith is in a person. It's in the person of Jesus Christ. That faith is manifest in my life through surrender to Him and trust of Him. We see in our passage of Scripture this morning... Different manifestations, different expressions, different levels of faith in one who had a need and came to Jesus. It's in John chapter 4, beginning in the 43rd verse. Now, Pastor Jim preached on this three Sundays ago. And I, I really wanted to revisit this because I, I felt like that it was a little bit different perspective and that it would be valuable to us in our spiritual journey, regardless of where we're at in our spiritual journey. So let me, let me read this passage of Scripture to you. John chapter 4, beginning in the uh, 43rd verse. And I'll stop a little bit along the way, and then we'll close by kind of looking at seven different kinds, levels, expressions, experiences, of faith that we see in this man who came to Jesus with the need. And I believe that we'll be able to relate to these expressions of faith. So, John chapter 4 and verse 43. After the two days, he departed for Galilee. Now, he had just spent two days in Sychar, where he met the Samaritan woman at the well. And the Samaritan woman came to believing faith or saving faith in Jesus Christ. She ran to the city to tell everyone she knew about this man. They came to him. They believed not because of signs and miracles, not because of wondrous works. The Bible tells us in John chapter 3 or John chapter 4, it was because of his words. They believed in him. They had a saving faith in Him. They believed in the person of Jesus Christ, not just the power of Jesus Christ, which you can believe in and not be a Christian, but they believed in the person of Jesus Christ. Surrender and trust. And they said, won't you stay with us? It was Jesus' plan to go on um, to Cana, but they said, please, stay with us. And He 
the Bible tells us, stayed two days there. I, I, I imagine that it was difficult for Jesus to leave that kind of revival environment. He says in the next verse that he would be going to a place where he's not really received, where he's not really welcome. And so he has to leave this, this celebration of forgiveness and the celebration of relationship and the celebration of faith. He has to leave this revival and he has to go. And so it says that after the two days he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Verse 45. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. Now that's weird and it almost sounds like a contradiction that that he was going uh, to his, his hometown where he has no honor. He was going to Cana, just, just four or five miles from Nazareth where he grew up. But it says he, that, that, that they welcomed him. Why did they welcome him? Having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone to the feast. Now, stop there and go back a couple of pages in the Bible to the last three or four verses of John chapter 2. John chapter 2 and verse 23. This is speaking of Jesus. Now, when He was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in His name when they saw the signs that He was doing. Now, here's a belief of faith, if you will, that is not a saving faith because, verse 24 says, but Jesus, on His part, did not entrust Himself to them because He knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man, for He Himself knew what was in man. He knew their hearts. God looks at the heart. He knew why they believed in His name. He, they believed in His name because they believed in His power. They believed in His name because they believed in what He could do. They believed in His name because they, they had seen the signs and the miracles. They had seen the supernatural. They had seen the miraculous. And they were drawn to this man. These people that, are talking about, that He's talking about in John chapter 2, many of them are these exact same people that we see here in John chapter 4. When he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They, they had been in Jerusalem. They had been at the feast. They had seen what Jesus could do. Jesus had this reputation. In verse 46, So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, Capernaum is another 40 miles, 30, 40 miles north of Cana, uh, 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 at least a two-day journey on foot. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. And when this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea down south, that area of Jerusalem, to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now look, I think it's important that John kind of connects the miracle at Cana, turning water into wine, and this miracle that they are going to experience or see Jesus perform for this official. Let's remind ourselves why John writes this gospel. John chapter 20. 
Many signs did Jesus do that are not recorded here, but the ones that are recorded here are recorded here so that you will believe that Jesus is God. So that you will believe that Jesus is God. And in believing, you will have life. If we went back to the turning water into wine, we will see that after this miracle, the disciples believed. And we'll see that after this miracle of this official, that he believed. Jesus spent the majority of his ministry up in the Galilean area, around the Sea of Galilee. He made Capernaum, which is on the Sea of Galilee, on the coast of Galilee. He kind of made that his, his home office. It's where he worked out of. He did many, many, many miracles in that area as he taught, as he ministered to people. John records only two that he did in that area. This one with this official and the feeding of the 5,000. So these miracles, these supernatural acts of God, have to be significant that John would include them in his gospel. So here we go on. This is what happened. When the man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and he asked him to come down and heal his son. For he was at the point of death. This guy was a, uh, uh, had authority. He was used to telling people what to do. His first encounter with Jesus is, you need to come with me. And so Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now, I want you to know this is real important that Jesus is not just talking to this man. He's talking to the crowd that's witnessing this this interaction. The, The you there that's used twice in this sentence, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe is is plural. And it's, it's clear that he's talking to the crowd as well as to this official. The official said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. He's, it's changed from, um, you know, here's what I'm demanding that you do to here's what I'm begging that you do. And Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went on his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering So he asked them, his servants, he asked the servants, the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, evidently it was an overnight trip back to Capernaum. Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all of his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. The first being turning water into wine. I want you to kind of picture this this official. He's a man that has great authority. He's a man that has great resources. He's wealthy. He commanded people. But there are some things, you'd agree with me, that money can't buy. He had come to this this situation, this circumstance in his life that there was nothing that he could do. So he went to Jesus. You ever been there? I've been there hundreds and hundreds of times where I might even try to get myself out of this mess myself, but I can't. There's nothing I can do. And so we go to Jesus. This man 
was in a desperate situation and desperate situations call for desperate measures and his desperate measure was to find someone who could do the supernatural. Who could, that, that he would find someone who could involve himself in, in the life of his family and, and heal his son. But Jesus has something else on his mind. As important as the life of this child was to Jesus, it was not as important to Jesus as these people understanding and learning about faith. Faith in who he was, not what he could do. So often what is important to us, what is important to Jesus are different things. We tend to place great importance on the temporal. Jesus always places importance on the eternal. We have this great concern about our circumstance and our feelings and what we're experiencing at this moment. Jesus has this tendency to focus on relationship with others and intimacy and obedience and love. It's not, it's not temporal circumstances that are important. Jesus desires for us to put those circumstances in proper perspective. You know, this is why I start by saying we got to quit treating Jesus like a genie in the bottle. We have to surrender ourselves and, and trust in Him. There's an excitement that's rising as Jesus is interacting with this man. These, these people are looking for Him to do the, the supernatural again. They're, they're looking for that kind of spiritual fix, if you will, to keep them on this, this uh, messianic high. Being in the company of Jesus. Jesus says, look, I'm concerned about your faith. I'm concerned about your heart. I'm concerned about what you believe. I'm concerned about where you're directing your belief and your faith. These, these stages of, of faith. The first is kind of a, just a, a signs and wonders kind of faith. It's the kind of faith that this crowd has. It's, it's, it's an amusement park kind of faith. It's a, a, a thrill ride that you get off of, but you can't get enough of it. You wonder what's next. I, I want to find the next ride. I need some more. These people, they kind of had that kind of that desire, they, they needed the show. They believed in His power. They seen His power. They wanted to see it some more. They needed something tangible. Something they could see. Something they could hold on to. But you know what? God is a spirit. And Jesus has taught us in John chapter 4 that we have to worship Him in, in spirit from our heart, from our inner being. He wants to take us to a deeper faith. We see this kind of signs and wonders faith from the crowd, but there's a deeper faith that we see here from this official, I, I would call it a crisis faith. It's a desperate kind of faith. It's where this royal official begins his faith journey and his experience with Jesus. It's an emergency room kind of faith. It's a foxhole kind of faith. It's a place where we've all been in our lives. It's a desperation type of thing. What do we do? Don't have any answers. Let's turn to the one who we know has power. 
He had to believe that Jesus could heal. He had heard about the miracles. If he didn't really believe that Jesus could heal, this man believed. If he didn't, he would have never left his son's bedside to travel three, four hours by chariot if he didn't believe. It's not, it's not this, this love for Jesus. It's, it's not, he would have gone to anybody who could have healed his son. A Greek philosopher, a, a Roman doctor. Maybe he had already tried that. He just wanted his son to be healed. The difference between the signs and wonders faith, this crowd that gathers to experience that kind of faith, and this crisis faith, is that in the crisis faith, we want Jesus to do a miracle for us. We want, it's personal. It's a need I have. It's a crisis. And I don't want to just be in the crowd to see him do a miracle. I need something in my life. The difference in the signs and wonders is it's, it's personal. It's a need that I have. It's not just an interest anymore. It's a crisis. Come heal my son. You guys won't believe unless you see signs and wonders. Kind of a harsh response from Jesus to this guy whose son is on his deathbed. But the guy's attitude seems to change somewhat. And he, he moves from this kind of crisis faith to, to a needing faith. He moves from demanding to beg, begging. Faith begins to grow when he, when he moves from, from demanding to depending. You're my hope now. I, I'm depending on you. Listen, we can all relate to this. This man had a felt need. It was a temporal circumstance. Felt need. He believed that Jesus could meet that need. But Jesus was interested in his real need. His belief not in a power, but his belief in the person of Jesus. Surrender and trust. I die to myself. I give you myself. I trust you with who I am, I trust you with all I have. It's, it's where a lot of people who are in this room, it's where your relationship with Jesus started. It's where the relationship with Jesus for this Roman official started. It's one of the things we need to understand if we're going to help other people grow in their faith. It would be great if all of us had had this experience where, where we just realized, you know, Jesus, you, you made me, you love me, you, you came to me because of who you are, and, and, and I believe you, and I trust you, and I give you myself because you're God. That, that would be great. But the reality is that most of us come to Jesus when we realize we can't handle this life. We have needs that we can't meet, and we go to the one we believe can help us, and, and we hear the message about how felt needs are different from our real need. And if we let Jesus meet our real need, then He travels with us on our journey in seeing our felt needs met. And this Roman, it's not a Roman official. It's a Jewish official. Comes to Jesus and He begins to experience this kind of transformation and these, these levels of faith. 
He's no longer interested in just seeing signs and wonders. It's gone beyond that to a crisis. He's not demanding of Jesus anymore. He's depending on Jesus. He's needing Jesus. Jesus says to him, won't you go on home? Your son will live. And Jesus, and the man took Jesus at his word. And he believed him. He moves from a, a, a needing faith, a depending faith, to an acting faith. You can have an acting faith and not be a believer. You can follow a command of Christ before you trust your life to Christ. Look, we talk about this a lot. Jesus offers us, God's word gives us a blueprint for every single area of our life. For our marriage, for our finances, for a career, for relationships. All of that, the Bible speaks to all of those things. And you don't have to be a believer to follow them. And they work. <laughs> it's the, the believer gets to experience the, the supernatural part of that. So this is a guy who, who takes Jesus at his word. He, he, he obeys and, and he does what Jesus says to do. It's this situation where Jesus kind of turns the tables on this guy. This guy comes to Jesus and, and says, Jesus, this is what I want you to do. Jesus doesn't really say no. But he says this, this is what I want you to do. Can you relate to that in your walk, in your experience? Jesus, this is what I want you to do. Jesus' response is, this is what I want you to do. When we surrender and we trust, we come to Him. We, we make our demand. We grow from that to a place of dependence on Him. We still have in our mind how Jesus is going to solve this problem. How Jesus is going to meet this need. This guy says, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to find Jesus, I'm going to bring Him back home with me, Jesus is going to heal Him. That's what's going to happen. That's the plan. Jesus, he goes to Jesus, Jesus says, no, I, I understand what you want me to do. Here's what I want you to do. I think the Lord does this to us a lot. We come to him and we say, here's what I want you to do in the area of finances. Here's what I want you to do in the area of my children. Here's what I want you to do in my marriage. Here's what I want you to do in my business. Here's the plan. Do this for me. And God's response often is, here's what I want you to do. That's why it's so important, folks, that we, that we have this, this relationship with him whereby we have this interaction that, that we speak to him. He's real, he's alive, he's involved, he's near. We speak to him and he speaks to us. He leads us and he, he guides us. Oftentimes our response to this is, Wait a minute. You do your thing first, and then I'll do what you're telling me to do. Right? Jesus, help me with my finances. Don't know how I'm going to pay the rent. Do this for me. Jesus says, do this. Give. What? You do your part first, Jesus, and then I'll do what you tell me to do. That's often our response. Where is faith in that? 
Where is faith in that? Where is surrender and giving ourselves wholly and trusting in Him? It's a decision that every one of us deal with every day. God gives us direction and I decide whether or not I will act on that direction. Am I going to trust the promise of Jesus? Jesus said to this guy, your son's going to be fine. Won't you go on home? Your son's going to be fine. And I think it's a, it's, it's a neat thing, a miraculous thing, a supernatural, an unusual thing that this guy said, okay. And he turned around and left. And he turned around and started making his way home. He, he, he goes from this kind of needing faith, this desperate faith, to acting faith when, when he decides to obey Jesus. This man took Jesus at his word and he departed. That's obedience. I want to tell you again, I, I still believe that, that you can have that kind of faith and not be a Christian. A, a, a faith where, where you take Jesus at His word and, and you just do what He says. Because, because look, there's a faith in, in Jesus' power. I know that He can. You can have that faith and not be a Christian. There's a, a faith in Jesus' promise. This is what he said is going to happen. I believe it's going to happen. You can, you can have that kind of faith and not be a Christian. Keep in mind what's important to Jesus here in this whole scenario, in this whole interaction. He wants this man not to have faith in power, not to have faith in a promise, but to have faith in him, to have faith in the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus desires for every single one of us today. This is what, what I, I think Arthur shared earlier about Peter getting out of the boat. Have faith in me, Peter. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. Not on my power. I could calm the storm. Not on my promise that you won't sink. But on me. Do you see the distinction there? My faith is in the person of Jesus Christ. This guy has faith in the promise of Jesus. And he turns around and he heads home. And verse 51 says that his servants met him on the way. And they told him that his son was going to live. And this guy says, what time did he start getting better? What time did the fever leave? And they told him it was the seventh hour yesterday. And, and the guy goes, man, that's the exact same time that Jesus told me that he was going to be okay. And it was at that time that the man realized that his son was going to live. And he moved to this kind of Knowing faith. What did he know? He, he knew what John wants all of us to know by writing his gospel. These things have I written to you that you might believe that Jesus is God. And that in believing you might have life. He knew at that moment, this is no ordinary man. This is no magician. This is God in human flesh. I believe this is saving faith. When we surrender and trust in God, in Jesus, we give Him all that we are. It was this new confidence for this man, this new assurance that it was God, Jesus, who had done this mighty work. That Jesus was who He claimed to be. That Jesus was the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior. It's the kind of faith that the Roman centurion at the foot of the cross experienced. When he looks at Jesus, says, 
just before Jesus breathes his last breath and he says, truly, this is the Son of God. It was that knowing faith. We move from an acting faith to a a knowing faith when we decide that Jesus is who he says that he is. And then the Bible says in the 53rd verse, so he and all of his household believed. This is where he moves from a a stage of faith that has power. He moves to a stage of faith that has power to change our whole lives. I hope that you'll see this this morning. A faith that is life-changing, that makes all things new, that erases the past from God's memory, that ushers us into the very presence of God to enjoy His intimacy and relationship with Him and fellowship with Him. It's believing faith. It's a believing faith. We move from knowing to believing when we trust the person with all that we are and all that we have, with our daily lives, trusting the person. It's moving from this intellectual ascent. Listen, more people than you might imagine are sitting in this auditorium and all they do is, all they have is this intellectual ascent. They believe that this is true. They believe that, that, that Jesus died for our sins. They believe that he was resurrected. But it's when we, when we have this faith in the person of Jesus and we've defined that as a total surrender of myself and a trust in Him with all that I am and all that I have. It's giving myself to Him. It's recognizing that He's God and I, I surrender and I give myself to Him. It's moving from an intellectual ascent to believing, to trusting, to having faith in a person. The man didn't stop there, though. I mean, his life was transformed. Maybe he didn't understand it fully, but he knew that something was different. His life was transformed, and the Bible says that he and all of his family believed. He went home and told his family about Jesus, and he went from this believing faith to this sharing faith. He went and told others about God's love, God's provision. Do you see the different stages of faith? There's this signs and wonders kind of faith, and there's this crisis faith, this needing faith, this depending faith, this this acting faith, this knowing faith, to a believing faith, to a sharing faith. Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the source of our faith. I think that in these different stages of faith that, that, that you can... You can grow to a certain place and, and, and then you can go back. It's depending on where we're at in our relationship with Him. It's de- depending on our perspective of Him and, and who He is. What, what stage of faith are you in right now? Do you see the distinction between a, 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 a faith and a, and a power? God can, you know He can. And a faith and a promise, here's what He says do. And faith in a person. What stage of faith are you in right now? Are you ready to move to this this life-changing faith? Trust Jesus with all that you are and all that you have. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith the size of a mustard seed. I should have brought one in so you could see the size of a mustard seed. Faith the size of a mustard seed, you can... 
Say to the mountain, be cast into the sea and so shall it be. Listen, our felt needs are, 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 are real to us. They hurt. We are desperate. We want it solved. We want to feel better. We want Jesus to do the supernatural. We want Jesus to heal. We want Jesus to provide. We want Jesus to protect. We want Jesus to restore. We want Him to fix this need. His focus is on your heart. His focus is eternal. And we experience what He can do in our lives when we trust Not the power, not the promise, but the person. When we give ourselves wholly and totally to Him. Let me invite you to stand. Lord, this is is the practicality of Your Word in our lives. So very, very practical. This is something that that we walk out every day in our lives. It's a struggle for us to simply trust you with all that we are and all that we have. We want answers. We want solutions. We want you to work. We want you to move. We want you to change things. And you just want us to trust you. You just want us to give ourselves to you. You just want us to recognize your involvement in our daily lives, even the the simple things. You're intricately involved. You want us to believe that. You want us to trust that. You want us to give ourselves to that. We need you to help us do that. The many here this morning, Lord, who would say, I want to do that. I want to do that. I I want my faith to be in the person of Jesus Christ. Would you help us, Lord? Would you you give us the, the strength? Would you give us the understanding? Would you give us the patience, would you give us all that we need just to give ourselves wholly and totally to you? Lord, I believe and I thank you in advance that as we do that, we'll begin to see the supernatural and miraculous in our lives. And Lord, I pray that we'll go from that experience to to manifesting a sharing faith where we can't wait to tell others about who you are what you have done and what you will do in their lives. Pray this in your name. Amen.